Hello there. Thank you for inviting me into your eardrums. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Podcast Trashy Books. Welcome to episode number 434. My guest today is Reese Ryan, who is a YouTube host and the author of many books, including a new book, Second Chance on Cypress Lane. We are going to talk about that book, The Levels of Food Porn Found Inside, which is substantial, and about her career. She has written so many books, including releasing four books in 2020, which is amazing. And we're going to talk about some of her favorite covers for her Harlequin Desires as well. So make sure, if you're curious what they look like, to check out the show notes at smartpitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. I have a compliment for this episode, and I love this so much. To Megan T., you are the human personification of the perfect filling inside the perfect flaky baked good because being with you makes everything better. Like butter, but even better than that. If you would like a compliment of your very own, have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Monthly pledges start at one whole dollar per month. And each pledge makes a deeply appreciated difference in making sure that the show continues and that every episode is accessible. So thank you to our Patreon community and thank you to Megan T., this podcast is brought to you in part by Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So, whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation just for you. Need some help falling asleep? Amanda loves this section. They have wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your children. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I really like the different courses inside. Right now, I'm doing a sequence on dealing with anxiety through meditation practice, and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate the approach and the accessibility of the method. I look forward to each session every day because they build on the prior lessons in a way that works for me. I seriously love this app and I'm so excited they've underwritten part of the show. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash Sarah, S-A-R-A-H. That's headspace.com slash Sarah for a one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash Sarah today. This week's conversation is also brought to you by One Hope Wine. One Hope is a Napa Valley winery built on hope and rooted in purpose, Every bottle of their award-winning wine supports a meaningful cause. And through the sale of every bottle, One Hope has donated over $5 million to different causes around the world. I have tried the Chardonnay, which was perfect with turkey and stuffing, surprisingly. And the Cabernet was delicious. It was fruity, and it was perfect for sitting by the fire, which is exactly what I wanted to do with wine. If you need to fill up your bar cart this holiday season, or you need some gifts for yourself or for someone else... You can stock up on award-winning 90-plus point Napa Valley wines at up to 20% off from One Hope. Get 5% off 4-packs, 10% off 6-packs, and 20% off 12-packs and earn rewards with every purchase. And if you need gifts, don't miss the gorgeous best-selling glitter bottles for the holidays. They're really stunning. Visit onehopewine.com slash Sarah, or use code Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, for $10 off your first order today. That's $10 off any order, first-time customers only. That's O-N-E-H-O-P-E-W-Y-N-E dot com slash Sarah. I have one more thing to tell you about. That would be HelloFresh, and I have a coupon for this one, too, so stay tuned. You can give yourself the gift of easy and stress-free dinner prep with HelloFresh. We talked about wine. Now it's time to talk about food. HelloFresh offers convenient no-contact delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with your family. The recipes are easy to follow with simple steps and pictures that guide you along the way. And the meals are delicious. There is a ton of variety and... Over 90% of their ingredients are sourced directly from growers. They offer more than 20 chef-crafted delicious options every week to help you break out of your recipe rut, try new things, and make any night feel special. HelloFresh is also paying attention to sustainable practices, and I dig this. They are the first global carbon-neutral meal kit company 
and the packaging that HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable content or already recycled content. We saved our box actually because I'm pretty sure we can reuse it the next time we travel and need to bring food with us. I have tried three of HelloFresh's most popular meals and the firecracker meatballs were our absolute favorite. We also loved that my son took charge of making dinner because the pre-portioned ingredients and the step-by-step instructions helped him level up his cooking skills. You can go to HelloFresh.com slash TrashyBooks90 and use code TrashyBooks90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. Yes, that's HelloFresh.com slash TrashyBooks90 or use code TrashyBooks90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. Fear not. I will end this episode with a terrible joke. And I will link to all of the books and the YouTube channel that we talk about at length. And there's a documentary mention in here. I have a lot of links. Fear not. It will all be in the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. But now let's do this interview thing. On with my conversation with Reese Ryan. I am Reese Ryan. And I write sexy, emotional, romantic fiction featuring lots of family drama, surprising secrets, and a cast of complicated, sometimes messy characters. Um, my jam is sexy, small-town romance. <laughs> and I have been writing for uh, various imprints of Harlequin since 2013, uh, Karina Press, Kamani Romance, and now Desire. And I am launching a new series with Grand Central Forever, which I'm super excited about. Yay! (laughs) Congrats on your new book and congrats on such an awesome career. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's 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 so funny to hear you say that. It's a big deal. I mean, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so funny when you say that because like, I, I think that's a writer thing. You never think of yourself as being, okay, I, I don't feel like I've done a lot. You know, I look at other people like Macy Yates just celebrated like a hundred books just with Harlequin. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to be like that when I grow up, you know, or yep. Brenda Jackson who I, who has 25 years, you know, it's just, yep. wow. <laughs> so oh, no, thank I, you. I appreciate that though. Thank you so much. It, it You're very welcome. Cause it is important to sort of turn around and take a look back at what you've done. Like, I mean, come on, I, I run a website as my job and I'm still trying to explain what that is to my mother-in-law <laughs> and I've been doing it for almost 16 years. So I have that same problem where I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I do have a career. <laughs> yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. So what will readers find inside of Second Chance on Cypress Lane in addition to career drama, family drama, and a really solid amount of food porn, by the way. Most <laughs> excellent levels of food porn in this book. Thank you for that. You are welcome. There is, and that's a thing you'll find in like every one of my books is food yes. and music. And yes. it's like not even something I did intentionally, especially in the beginning. It's just that I like to eat and I love music. And so those things kept cropping up again and again. In every story that I would write. So um, Second Chance on Cypress Lane is about a rising star reporter who uh, gets herself unwittingly caught up in a scandal that tanks her career. So she finds herself having to return to her small uh, Outer Banks hometown while she licks her wounds and eats lots of lemon meringue pie <laughs> and tries to avoid, to avoid the man who broke her heart when she was a teenager. So uh, lots of, lots of family stuff, lots of friend stuff. Just, I, I love building these communities of secondary characters. Secondary characters are my jam too. So <laughs> this was especially fun being able to build out all these different characters. I I'm very curious about the setting because I love books that are set in on islands and I love reading about small towns because small towns in different parts of the United States are all very different from each other. And, um, and I read in your bio that you are a relocated Midwesterner who lives in the South. <laughs> I grew up in Pittsburgh, which is very Midwestern in culture and went to college <laughs> in South Carolina. So let me just say your bio speaks to me on a deep level of cultural fluency. Um, is Holly Grove based on one of the Low Country Islands? It is. It is actually based on a, a trip that I took to Duck, North Carolina, 
in the yes. Outer Banks. <laughs> I loved it. And, you know, at the time we went, because first of all, we, we moved here to North Carolina from Cleveland, which I'm a Clevelander. Oh, so I do have a similar dress after up then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I lived there most of my life. And so for 11 years ago, we moved to North Carolina and we were here probably six, five or six years before we had ever gone to the beach. And so finally we went to the beach. And of course, <laughs> <Is that> allowed? <laughs> it should not be. It's terrible. And what makes it even worse is when we went, it was March, which... <laughs> Which is normally like here in North Carolina, you know, the deep into this December, it'll still be fairly, you know, decent weather. And a lot of times in March, it's really nice weather. Not that particular March. It was freezing that particular year (laughs) at the end of March. So it was so cold, but we loved it. It was just such a a beautiful little place. And it's it's kind of private because at the time they didn't have a public beach. I think they still don't have a public beach there. So... Mm -hmm. It is not um, as crowded as many of the other places in the Outer Banks and stuff. So, you know, just, and I love the way it's it's set up. There's sort of like, it's the strip of land, basically, uh, you know, and on one side you have the ocean. On the other side you have the sound, which I I think is the Currituck sound. So you can see water on either side and it's just like this quite little kind of private place. And I loved it. And I'm like, I want to write about this. <laughs> I want to write about a town like this. And so that's what kind of um, inspired it. But in terms of like how I visualize like the shape of the island and stuff, it's closer to like Roanoke Island or something like that. Um, one of those islands like that, right. I think in terms of how it, the shape is and stuff. But yeah, I just love Duck so much and we can't wait to go back there. So, And it is like far north because that's the thing. You can, from where I am, not far from Raleigh. I'm in a, a suburb, suburb of Raleigh. You mm-hmm. can drive to the beach, you know, in less than two hours. But, you know, duck from here is like four hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was it was worth the drive. It was absolutely worth the drive. So what do you have planned for the Holly Grove Island series? Uh, there were there were several characters that I'm very curious about in this book. <laughs> I'll let you know, I love how readers are like, oh, the hero and the heroine. I'm like, yeah, so tell me about all the friends. <laughs> And the and the dad the dad gets I I love Oliver I love Oliver and Lily Gill so much so yeah lots of plans for like when I so when I first decided to write the series and sat down and plotted it out because normally I don't plot out a full series at the beginning completely like maybe a few books in Mm -hmm. Uh, but this one like just spoke to me from the beginning so like there were I think I originally had plotted like six novels and two novellas definitely you're gonna see some of those friends uh Sinclair for sure is <laughs> is our next character and her book we already know the name of the book and that's going to be Return to um, Hummingbird Way and so it's going to be her and Rhett or Garrett which is uh Dexter's cousin <laughs> and it's going to be an enemies to lovers story for sure Oh, <laughs> they're they're gonna be ooh, there's something the two of them together, and then also Nick and Dexter's younger sister M are oh, gonna. Oh, I saw that one. <laughs> yes, yes. M was one of my favorite characters. Like the minute she walked in with the whole and and like the jazz porn in this book, it was like a whole <laughs> chapter and a half of pornographic jazz, like not actual pornographic, but like musically speaking. The minute M walked on on stage, I was like, oh, yes, hello, yes, hi, future heroine, how are you? Yes, good. Yay, yay. I'm so excited to hear that. And that that is weird, too, in itself, that that jazz club scene is, like, so long. It's so long. <laughs> and I don't – I think of it more as, like, a collection of mini scenes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on there. So, yeah, you're going to see a lot of those those people in future stories for sure. So, so is there going to be more uh, food courtship too? Because first of all, I don't think you should ever control F the word fried in your books. I was so I was reading this. It was like ten thirty, and I'm like, great. Now I want fried food, not fair. I've already brushed my teeth. But there's also a scene where Dakota says to herself, the heroine says to herself, "It's just coffee and a bagel, girl. Don't get emotional." <laughs> Seriously, I would get emotional over a gentleman bringing me my favorite bagel and coffee in the morning. Like that's. 
that's that's serious romance. Are you going to do more food courtship in the, in the future books? I see, I, and I love that. I love, love, love when the characters, you know, do food or something or, or make yes. meals for each other. Especially, I love for the hero to make or yes. bring something special to to the the heroine. So that happens a lot in my stories, and you'll definitely see that in the future. And I. I love also, you know, being able to use that as one of the things that shows that the characters know each other really well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you'll see lots Even, more of that. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, gentlemen cooking in this book, too. I mean, her father cooks for her, her 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 sort of love interest, kind of second chance guy who gets under her skin, brings her food. There's a lot of <laughs> fine men cooking in this book. There is. There is. And it's so funny because, like, I'm working on a story right now for – for Harlequin Desire, and that he's a chef, so there's a lot. He's oh. doing a lot of cooking. <laughs> oh. I, mean, I really recipes. think, I really think you have set up your career brilliantly. You can now write <laughs> off going to Duck. You can write off buying cookbooks. You can write off going to do any kind of jazz you want. This is really a brilliant strategy. Thank you very much. <laughs> well played. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, all it's all things that I love. Like I said, in the beginning, the fact that food kept coming up in my books and music kept coming up in my books was just mm-hmm. sort of incidental. It was something I didn't really think about until I kind of started to really focus in and think about what my brand was. And I realized that like some of the same things recur- came up all the time and also food and music. And so then, and of course the family drama. <laughs> mm. And so then I just really embraced those things as being a part of my brand. And so they do make their appearance every single time <laughs> in one way or another. Isn't it funny to develop your brand backwards? Yes. <laughs> I did the same thing, but like, it's really strange to be like, oh, I guess that is a hallmark of mine. Okay. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. And I'm trying to think it was some um, author at an RWA meeting who, uh, had, which you, I think the talk was about author brand and themes, or maybe it might've been about themes and, um, and what you're writing. And so she had made the statement that, you know, basically even if you don't think you have themes, you do. Go back and look at the books you've written, yeah. whether you're published or not, and you'll see the same things recurring. And when I did that, I'm like, oh, she's right. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's like family, forgiveness, and self-identity. Those three yes. things keep coming back up again and again. So again, I've just learned to embrace them now. <laughs> and you know, it's interesting because You've come through Harlequin and written for so many of the different imprints of Harlequin, which are branded for the imprint and not necessarily for the author. So you've worked up a brand inside of another brand, (laughs) which is no small feat. That is, you know, I had never thought about that before, Sarah. Yeah. (laughs) That is true. It it can be very difficult to build a brand name inside of another stronger brand. And yet- Game on. You totally did. <laughs> Thank you. You know, And just, and because I'm a little bit of a rebel and sometimes I do push back a little bit. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, so that's true. I do. There are things that I, I need, I feel like it's not me and it's not mm-hmm. my voice unless some of those things come through. So, you know, Absolutely. that's one of the things when I shifted over to like, you know, first of all, I've, I feel like for, I've been very, for a very long time writing sexy small town romance so when we came when i came over here to grand central to do a you know small town series i was at first you know just a little bit intimidated about you know (laughs) whether or not my brand as it already stands how that was gonna um you know mesh with what people expected of small town uh, Mm -hmm. romance and stuff so because like I've always written small town, but in the Harlequin lines, lines that I did it for, Kamani and Desire, the focus is on the wealth and, yes. you know, the sexiness and all of that, which you don't associate with small town. So even though they no. take place in the small town, they're not branded that way. So, and then when I came over here, I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to lose all the sexiness. <laughs> so no, definitely not. Bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I was super excited when they embrace this, this idea of making it sexy or um, steamy small town. Cause I'm like, yes, that is what I write. Yes. Thank yes. you. <laughs> so 
And I mean, people in small towns do, in fact, have sex. <laughs> they do indeed. Pretty sure. Anyway, I mean, I haven't taken a, a, a massive survey, but it is a good guess on my part. And also, you write small towns that are diverse in the South. And one thing I've learned from my friends who still live in the South and live in small towns, and I've sent them books um, to read, and they're like, listen, everyone in this town is white, and it's in the South, and the reason why that happens is really bad, and I'm having a hard time enjoying this book mm. because that's all I can think about. And, right. and I was like, oh, but you're writing towns that are representative of what small towns look like. And that has been so exciting for me to be able yes. to write a more diverse small town. Oh, I love that. Yes. I love that. <laughs> that well, makes me so happy. romance can be very white. Yeah. And that we've always looked at it that, you know, that's the way we've already always looked at it. But at the same time, I feel like there are a lot of authors who are out there writing small town romances that are diverse, but a lot of times they're just not mentioned, um, you know, in this small town. Kathy Douglas, for instance, is one who writes amazing small town for um, special edition, Harlequin special edition, along with Rochelle Ehlers. So yes, Michelle Ehlers writes wonderful communities. Yes, she does. And so, and then even like Alicia Rye's Forbidden Hearts series, which I freaking love that series. Um, it, it's set in a small town, you know, it's You're super sexy totally and, right. and all that other stuff, but it is set in a small town, but no, you know, you don't hear people listed as it a small, small town. town romance. Right. Oh, wow. Right. That's a really good point. So it's so exciting to me to not only, you know, be writing this, but to, you know, be talking about all of the other authors who are doing it already and have been for some time. Um, So, and that was one of the things we actually did a show on the YouTube uh, channel that I do on that topic. And so it was so exciting to, to hear all the recommendations of all the authors who are doing that already. So. Fear not, I will link to it. <laughs> I will get email. If a guest mentions something that includes recommendations elsewhere and I don't link to it, I'll be like, Sarah, Sarah, you forgot that link. I need that link really, really bad. Like, I just paused my podcast to ask you, please, oh, please no. add the link. Don't worry, I will link Oh, to my it. goodness. That show is chock full of yes. recommendations. Yes. Yes. So, yep. Great. And you've, you've mentioned that, you know, you're a bit of a rebel and you push back and that writing small towns goes along with writing stories of self-actualization and self-realization and self-reliance. And one of the things I love about stories set in small communities is that there is a real intangible pressure to do things the way you've always done them because Mm. that's the way they've always been done right? without really questioning, okay, but why do we do it that way? (laughs) Because maybe we could not, which is like how I live my whole life, which is super annoying to my husband who really likes rules and, you know, routine and the schedule. And I'm like, but what if we didn't? So when you're writing these small towns, you're putting these characters in situations where they might be shaking things up and have to come up against that that small community, but this is how we do things here. Pressure. Yes. Yes. And I definitely, this is, that's one of the things I wanted to make sure I included in this, this uh, series for sure, because that's a real issue in some small towns, especially in the outer banks. Yeah. So, you know, you'll get a lot of pushback if somebody tries to come in. For instance, I was just looking at um, the duck uh, some information on the, the town of Duck. And they mm-hmm. talked about how we had a close call, you know, several years ago when a big box store tried to come and move into town. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it's a real issue, <laughs> especially yep. in smaller communities like that. They want to keep out the chain stores. They want to keep out the big box stores and stuff. You can drive to a, a Wally World, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you might have to just drive like a, a 20 minute drive to get outside of town to get to it because they try to kind of preserve the things that make yes. their, their community unique. And so that was kind of a fun thing to deal with in this story as well, that you have, you know, the hardliners in the community who are like, no, 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 we don't want to bring more people in. We just want yeah. the usual folks to to come and visit every year that have been coming with their families for, for 20 years or whatever. And then on the other hand, you have this resort that they've built that's going to yes. bring more people in. So uh, I, it was fun creating that kind of that that dynamic uh, between them. 
with the townsfolk. So like I said, for anybody who lives in towns like that, they know that is a real, real, real issue. (laughs) Oh, it's definitely a thing. Yes. And I'm trying to think if this is too much of a spoiler because it happens pretty well into the book, but I don't think it's a super big, big spoiler. The, The scene where Dakota and Dexter have to have a really honest conversation with some of those old timers. Mm. And, and and I mean, she really has a pretty frank conversation with them about, yes, I understand these things are important, but you know, your children don't live here. Yes. Oh God. I love that scene <laughs> so much. I loved it. Loved it so much. Yay. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I, you know, it's it's so funny because like I was when I was writing that scene, is I, I almost felt like the character wrote the scene for me. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the best moments when when I'm writing when it feels like the characters are kind of like taking yes. over. So yeah, it was like yeah, you you don't want any of these opportunities coming in. I get that, but that's why your kids don't live here anymore because there were no opportunities for them. So you know, meet There's meet balance. us halfway. <laughs> There's balance in change. It's not yes. just change everything. There's balance there. That's the key right there. And so mm-hmm. I, I just feel like Dexter is that kind of solid, kind of easygoing, kind of want to take care of everybody person. And yes, Dakota has that, you know, sensible thing about her. So it worked out well. <laughs> and Nick is just there to charm everybody. So yes. <laughs> he could sell paint to a wall. Like it's incredible. <laughs> I can't so, wait to write, to write his story. It's going to be fun. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, so many sparks. So when when you're writing, do you start with the character or do you start with the plot? Because you write characters that you describe as messy, who come with family drama and come with you know some career drama, but you're also writing plots that affect these characters and their own sort of self reliance and self. Um, I want to say self vision, how they see themselves, the self concept. I think is the word I'm looking for. Where do you start? Is it character and plot, or one or more than the other? So for me, I feel like it's always a situation. So I yeah. think I start with a situation, and then the plot and the characters that would be in that situation come later. So it's weird because I am all about character. Character is definitely. You know, I I definitely write character-driven stories. And yes. dialogue, too. Thank you. <laughs> but at the, I do feel like the character almost comes last because the situation comes first. good example of that is my Bourbon Brothers series. So mm-hmm. what made, how I came up with that series is I saw the story about Nearest Green, who was a formerly enslaved man who taught Jack Daniels how to make whiskey. And then not long after that, I watched um, with my husband, we watched The Men Who Made America, which was like, I think on the History Channel. Sounds boring. Fascinating stuff about Ford and Tesla and all these men like that. And just like, they're not who you thought they were at all. (laughs) But it's just so much drama about these empires that they built. And so that intersection, I thought, I was thinking, okay, well, what if a black man and his family were able to build their own empire instead of enriching a white man and his family to to create their empire? And so that's kind of where the Bourbon Brothers storyline came from. And then after that, it was just a matter of creating the individual family members and then what each of their stories would be. So that's the best way I can explain how the situation kind of comes first. (laughs) It's so interesting. I'm always interested in what um, adversity shows us about who we are. And yeah. so it, seeing the characters go through these kind of these challenging times and come through the other side is so much fun for me. It's, it's so much more fun watching them do it than it is having it happen to me in real life. That's for sure. Oh. <laughs> uh, <So>. Yes. <laughs> Just like the whole family drama thing is like, okay, in my literary worlds that I create, I control everybody. So I can make everybody do what I want them. You know, they can act the way I want them to act. In real life, it's a lot harder to deal with, you know, your family issues. Mm -hmm. So, you know, writing those characters and watching them work out their stuff is kind of like therapy that I don't have to pay for. So (laughs) it's one of the reasons why I love reading romance, because I can go through these experiences knowing for certain that the end will be okay. Yes. And also, 
going through situations with characters where I'm like, yes, I have been here. It is, it is very, very hopeful to know that it, might, it will end okay because being in it is awful. Yes, yes. That's one of the things I love. It's two things I love about writing romance. And one is giving people a chance to experience someone else's life, you know, in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. people who don't look like you, people who don't uh, live in communities like the one you live in, you kind of get to see how other people live or in a way that can develop empathy in us, (laughs) You know, and so I, I love being able to to do that and to also give people a chance to to connect in a way that makes them feel like I recognize that person or I recognize that situation. And, you know, maybe it's gonna like you said, maybe it's going to be all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that that makes me feel good to be able to, you know, lift them up, lift up other people in a way. You know, sometimes yes. readers will say, hey, hey, you're that book or that series got me through X, Y, Z. And that is just the best moment. Isn't that a wonderful compliment? It really is. It really, truly is. Now, speaking of your career, you released four books in 2020. Yes. Hot damn. (laughs) This is not an easy year to release a book. And you released four in the quarantine. Yeah. I love Would that you? phrase, quarantines. Yes. Thank you. Is it before times and the quarantines? <laughs> yes. Mm. And the quarantines are real and hard and long and weird. <sighs> so weird. Oof. Oh my gosh. More every so, day. <laughs> please tell me about a reunion of rivals, candidly yours, secret air seduction. Please tell me about all of these books. And I'd love to know what you did to bring them out into the world in this weird ass time. Oh my God, it's so weird. So weird. So actually, (laughs) actually, the last, this is crazy. So I think um, Second Chance in Cypress Lane coming out on December 1st. Yes. Is going to be my fourth book this year. It's going to be my 21st book, period. However, it's crazy how, like, okay, so in 2013, my first two books were published. And then I kind of took a little break and was kind of rethinking some things. And so since then, it seems like I've had like, five, so I had five books a year, the two previous years, um, which was nuts. Morning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's nuts. So this was actually kind of a little bit of a break. <laughs> oh, yeah, four. Four. <laughs> but because of the times that we we're in, it's just, you know, with each, all the- each month is a year. So yeah. So long, so long. So it's been a little bit nuts. So, this year, um, A Secret Air Seduction, which is probably my favorite cover ever of mine. I love it so much. Um, oh. is, <laughs> is my third contribution to the um, Texas Cattlemen's Club, which is, for anyone who's not familiar with it, is a super long running, like 20 years long, Desire oh. has been running this Texas Cattlemen's Club series. And so what they do is they have all these little mini series. And so this is my third mini series that I was in for this one. This one and this is the other thing. This was not on purpose, but this turned out to be my year of second chance romance. So of these four books, all are second chance romance except for one. (laughs) (laughs) It's just insane that they all came together that way. I don't even know how that happened. (laughs) So that, and then the reunion, a reunion of rivals is the fourth book in my bourbon brothers series. So, um, and that's a second chance romance. And it was so much fun writing writing that one as well, <laughs> just because of the dialogue and back and forth between them. And one thing that I found in Romancelandia is it's easier to get a hero right than it is a heroine. Romancelandia is very picky about their heroines. And it's so, so true. We, we just don't give them the same grace that we give a hero. You know, like he can be nope. kind of a jerk and and transform but like with the heroines there I, I you know that's a pet peeve of mine we'll have a, that's a conversation for another day <laughs> i'm with you 100 i know what you mean so i especially love that the, with that book everybody talks about quinn which is the uh the heroine in that book and how much they love her so that made me super happy yes. <laughs> and then for candidly yours is a Young, younger man, older woman story. Um, and I set that one in my pleasure cold world as well. And I love that one because uh, in addition to the, the 40, 40 year old heroine, 
um, <laughs> which is, it's a shame we don't see them as much as we, we don't see them that much these days, or we're seeing more, I think now, older heroines. I think so, yeah. But you still say, you, if you say 40-year-old heroine, I go, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> So I love that she's 30. She turns 40, I'm sorry, in the book, and he's he's 30. So there's a 10-year age gap with them. But the other thing that was fun about Candle Yours is um, that one is based on carnival culture. So they travel to these different uh, carnivals in the Caribbean, working on a project together and kind of fall in love. So it was so cool learning about all the different carnival culture. And now I totally want to go to one if quarantines ever end. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, please. Because just like small towns in different parts of the of the states, carnivals are have each have a very unique flavor and customs and history and culture surrounding them, right? Yes, absolutely. And so the, some of the um, places they go to are are just so different in terms of, you know, um, all of the different uh, customs and stuff that they have and, you know, kind of learning about the, the different things that they, they do in terms of like... Um, how they handle is juve. <laughs> yeah. The uh and so actually in the book, I actually in the little in the beginning I have a few notes about um different little terms that relate to carnival, like playing moss, which is the whole thing about dressing up, or juve, mm-hmm. which is that huge street party they have that kicks off carnival and a lot of times they, they throw colored powder or paint or whatever. And just so 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 much fun to write that book and to have those characters you know go to those different places so <laughs> i get lost a little bit sometimes when i do research for stuff like that because I, I need to feel like that i'm there and i need yeah. to the the reader to feel like they're there so one of the biggest compliments i got on candidly yours was a reader who is from the caribbean said that she felt like it just nailed being at carnival <laughs> so i was like Yes, that was that made me super happy. So, oh, what an awesome compliment! (laughs) Now, you mentioned that the cover of Secret Air Seduction is one of your favorites. Yes, that's a hot cover. Why is it one of your favorites? I think I love this one. Um, first of all, it's just a gorgeous couple. The second thing was I fought for it, was the the bald guy. I really wanted that. And, and so at first they were like, I don't know if we have a model like that. And I'm like, please, please, please. So like I wrote it like just hoping it would come true. <laughs> and so then when they, I was still doing revisions, I think when they came back and said, okay, we found the ball modeled. I'm like, yay. So then I was able to actually make sure it mentioned in the book that he was bald. So I love that. But this one, I think out of all the covers that I have is the um, close the close-up on the couple, like they're right there yeah. staring at you and they're both just gorgeous. And it has this beautiful rooftop background that's yeah. uh, essential to the story. So that's why I love that cover, period. But I mean, Harlequin Desire has been really good to me with the covers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. And I'll be, I'll be honest, like when I first was came over to Desire, I was freaked out because I'm like, okay, there hadn't been at that point there hadn't been a, you know, a lot of black authors at Desire. And so yeah. I didn't know what I was going to end up with. <laughs> you know, so I was a little worried. And so that first cover of Savannah Secrets, I like literally cool. squealed when I saw that cover. I was so excited. And they just, they nailed who I saw that couple as. And they oh. were even wearing exact clothing that I described <laughs> in my art fact sheet. And so um, ever since then, I take those artifact sheets super seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I do my P- Pinterest board, which I share with the art department and stuff. And so I've been just really, really grateful to them because they every time they seem to really nail what I'm going for as far as the aesthetic of the, um, the cover and I'm just just so happy. And then probably my second favorite would probably be a reunion of rivals. So both of those came out back to back. So <laughs> they are both seriously hot covers. I mean, I remember when we first saw Savannah's Secrets, my my internal reviewer Slack went, oh my gosh. <laughs> Just her hair and the dress and the pose. Yes. And that made me really, really happy. And I was just, I, I was just so excited about it. And then another cover I think that got a lot of um 
I got a lot of feedback on was Off Limits Lovers, which was my second Texas Cattlemen's Club book. Mm. And that heroine is biracial, but on that cover, she's wearing braids. And that's not something you see a lot, especially on, you know, (laughs) a lot of the traditional um, publishers' books. And so I got a a lot of feedback um, about that. And so I don't know if you've seen the cover from my upcoming Bourbon Brothers book, uh, Waking Up Married. And she has the she has the afro going and I just love it. I just absolutely love it. <laughs> so they have been very good to me with these covers. I am furiously Googling because I have <laughs> not seen this one yet. Furiously. Yeah. Oh, look at her head. I know. And that dress, excuse me. Yes. <laughs> so I was so excited about that cover. So it just, again, I love you, Harlequin Desire Art Department. <laughs> oh, my God. Gosh. It's been fantastic. So I cannot wait to put this in the show notes and be like, look at this one. And this one, and this one, and this one over here. And also that one. Oh my gosh. Yes. So yes, yes. Make sure you fill out fellow authors, make sure you fill out that art fact sheet to the letter. <laughs> like be yes. as specific, over explain, give them all the, the samples that you possibly can in terms of what you're looking for. That helps a lot. So Oh my gosh. And to say nothing of browsing Pinterest on purpose. Yeah. work. <laughs> that is another rabbit hole, which I often fall down <laughs> because I am one of those people, like if I'm describing a scene and she's wearing, I say, oh, you know, she's wearing a dress. I can't just say she's wearing a dress. No. I have to know what that dress looks like. So now yes. I'm on Pinterest <laughs> looking for her dress and describing it. And I literally might only have like a sentence about this dress, but I spent three hours on Pinterest looking. <laughs> looking well, of course, so, it just happens that way. I can't help it. I have a piece of software on my laptop and on my phone called Rescue Time that will tell me about how many hours I spend on things that are productive and things that I spend that are distracting. And there's a couple of times where I've had to tell it, no, 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 no. This is for work. <laughs> Instagram is not. A distraction. I was actually working when I was on Instagram. Okay, that Pinterest was for work. That is also a productive time. Thank you. And I get to tell it. No, 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 no. That was that was work. I didn't work know. You, I didn't know you could tell it that that's work time. That's pretty good because I yes. need to, I need to do that. You can change it and say no. Like for example, um, there are certain URLs where if I'm working on the back end of the site, I'm not actually browsing the internet. I'm actually working. So I've had to tell it this URL is work and this one is not. I'll be honest with you. But this one is work and this one is productive time. And if I'm on this URL, then I am being very productive. And it, and it, it skews my results so that I have a better snapshot of how many hours I spend at the computer, but how many of those hours are actually me getting stuff done so that Ooh. I could not be at the computer. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay, yeah. I have to check that out then. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, can I ask you about your YouTube channel? Oh, so that is the gift from the pan- pandemic. Okay. <laughs> so. I love it. I, first of all, your intro welcoming video is so great. And I know I don't mean to be, sound creepy, but I really, really love your nose piercing. Oh, like, thank I you. love it a lot. I was like, okay. I was like, I was, I have this big monitor and I'm like, is that a baguette? Is that a marquee cut? What is, it's gorgeous. It's sparkly. What, what is that? Like I might've listened to that video twice, just trying to get like a better, it's gorgeous. Oh my gosh. You know, this was hilarious. Okay. So (laughs) confession. So for, for this YouTube, I've been wanting to do this for like two years. And awesome. I, I kept debating it, debating it, debating it. So then the, the pandemic hit. And at first, like, I just mentally wasn't in a space to write. So I was doing a lot of reading or whatever. And mm-hmm. then I said, okay, this is the time to, to do this. And the, I was debating between a podcast and video. And I'll be honest, the thing that made me go with video is right before the pandemic and the lockdown for my 50th birthday this year, I decided to get my nose pierced and a tattoo. Yes. So I get my nose pierced and like the next day we have to wear masks all the time. <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, I'm definitely doing video. <laughs> show off that nose piercing. <laughs> so that, that, and the pandemic helped prompt that along with the fact that, you know, we couldn't go to any of the, um, 
reader conferences that I had planned to attend. So I'm a person who really just started attending reader conferences like maybe two years ago. So it's new to me, fairly still new to me, and I was loving it. And so during a pandemic, I'm like, okay, I want to find a way for uh, to have this really interactive space where romance readers and authors can connect. And so that is what led to the YouTube show. And then the reason I focus on the live streams is because Mm -hmm. I don't have the talent and skill to do the editing. (laughs) (laughs) That was something I wanted to ask you about. (laughs) So that way I don't have to do the editing. We just hop on. Now, I was incorrect in thinking, okay, it's not going to take any time because we're just going to hop on and we're going to chat. But you know, when you do interviews, there's a lot of prep and stuff that goes into- Oh, yes, there is. Before, the before, you know, and not to mention the promo before and after. So that's mm-hmm. all a lot more time intensive than I thought it would be. But um, I love doing the live stream chats, chats. And then the other thing is, you know, StreamYard, the, that technology was just like perfect- it's like for dummies, basically, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> and so easily accessible. And, you know, it made it where I could easily do these really, really interactive um, chats. And so during the chat, you know, readers can ask questions and make comments and what have you. And then yes. for like the two recent um, chats I did with Brenda Jackson and Beverly Jenkins, um, I was able to, in my private readers group, um, my VIP readers group on Facebook, I posed, I asked them, you know, what questions would you want to ask oh, them? And so, it. yeah, so they got to, so the questions I've asked, a lot of them were directly from the readers, in addition to the ones we answer right there on the spot with the readers. So it's just been so much fun. And we've had such great conversations um, about just a little bit of everything from, you know, like we talked about diverse small towns, you know, Kathy Douglas yep. and I had one ab- about that great conversation. Um, I had a panel with Karen Booth, who is a fellow Desire author. And as a matter of fact, speaking of seasoned romances, because that's what we, mm-hmm. um, you know, so uh, she runs the season romance. Um, she and Maggie Wills run the season romance group. And so you know, it was me and Karen and Cheryl Lister who writes uh, black romance with grown folks. I like, I call it grown. I prefer the term grown folks to season okay, romance. I love that because season romance. And like when I think, when every time I hear the word seasoned, I think about bland chicken. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so I hate that term. Like, I only use it so that people will know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I hate it. So grown I, folks romance. So I say so yes, much. grown folks romance. And in Romance Landia, sadly, you know, that's 30 plus, you know, mm-hmm. but we're, we are starting to see more in the 40s and 50s. And so it was, you know, me, Cheryl, Suzette Harrison, and then Lisa Salvery, who runs a um, Romance in Her Prime. Facebook group. So we had a great chat about that. That was a really great interactive chat, you know, just lots of conversations that we've had um, with readers that have been so, so much fun. And then authors like, you know, Kennedy Ryan and and Vanessa Riley, who is an absolute hoot. (laughs) Um, Just, you know, lots of different chats about, oh, Naima Simone, the chat we had about uh, writing sexy times with heart. Um, Lots of giggling between the two of us. And some great comments from from readers. So just just it's I just have fun with it every single week. And so um the readers and stuff have been responding. And so it's been it's been fantastic. So I'm looking forward to doing lots of chats next year. I I love that. I love my podcast. I've been doing it for a long time. And I love when I get to interact with the people who are who are listening. And for me, I get um, I get a lot of questions for upcoming interviews or or um, episodes that I'm doing for my Patreon group. Mm. And they're wonderful and being like, "Oh my god, ask this! Oh my gosh, I'm so excited! <laughs> You're excited! I'm excited! I can't believe I'm getting interviews!" But oh my <laughs> Having questions from from other people, it's so interesting to me that you, you and I are in totally different places, and this is voice only. But when you get used to talking to someone digitally you get used to moving up a level in conversation. Mm. 
you know, and I've noticed that with YouTube too. It, it's this really interesting form of digital intimacy where yeah. you're having this really high level detailed conversation with someone, but it's still very far apart and you're, you know, you're not near each other because, you know, quarantine. Right. <laughs> what are some of your favorite things about doing the live streams? What parts do you enjoy the absolute most? Absolutely. It's the um, interaction with the, with the readers. The fact that yeah. I, I try to, even though, you know, the author's it's authors mostly that I've been interviewing up to this point, though next year I do have plans to do some reader um, chats as well. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I love being able to have that, those conversations with them uh, and just focus on things that they want to hear. And so it, it's just so much fun, the discussions that we have. And so, you know, as I went on with it a little bit, I was able to start kind of turning out the questions more to the readers so that we can get them even more involved in the conversation. And that's just just so much fun. So it's just like when we sit down, you know, even if the author has like a, a book out and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about the book, but there's usually some bigger topic that we're discussing. And the yeah. main thing is I want people to walk away feeling like the two of us, you know, as authors, we're sitting down chatting over coffee and they got a chance to be a part of the conversation. That's that's yes. what I want people to walk away with. And so, so far, it feels like they get that. Yes. <laughs> and so I've been really happy with that. And it's a really good sort of semi-replacement for reader events. Yes. Because you're centering reader conversations, but you're also talking to authors and introducing the people who are watching to books that they might not have encountered yet. Yes, yes. That's another thing that's really fun about it is when I've had so many comments from from different readers saying that I introduced them to a new author. And that's one of the things I love doing anyway, because even in my readers group, we, you know, have a, a, one or two times a month, an author will come to visit. Or if there's somebody who has a book on sale or whatever, I'm always going to, you know, share that because I want to introduce readers to other people. And so whenever a reader tells me that, oh my God, I got all these new authors that I follow now because of you, that that just makes my day. That makes my heart so happy. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest? Mm, it Helping is. someone discover a book that they love is the best feeling. I love it so much. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm like I'm like that about music too. So like whenever <laughs> so whenever yeah. I introduce someone to a, a TV show or music or a book or whatever that or an author that they love that that just makes me super happy. <laughs> so what are you working on right now? That can you talk about it? It's okay if you can't talk about it. So <laughs> so I'm working on a trilogy with Oh my god. <laughs> It is it is a trilogy with three authors. So the fabulous Joss Wood um, proposed that she, Karen Booth, and I do a trilogy together. And so it was really fun doing this because all of us have participated in multiple uh, Texas Cattlemen's Clubs books. And for, you know, those are continuities mm -hmm. where you're essentially giving a story Bible. You know, you have a yeah. lot of room to create whatever you want about the story. You know, you can absolutely make it your own. If five people are given this story Bible, you're going to get five totally different books. So, but we've all done that. But, you know, the thing is, it's somebody else has created the Bible. And so this time, the three of us were able to get together and create our own essential, you know, Bible of what happens in these three stories. And so Joss took the, has the first one, Karen has the second one, and I have the third one. So that's the one what I'm working on now. And so here's the thing. <laughs> so it's a Harlequin Desire book. So it's category, you know, so the length mm -hmm. is about 50K. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know why this happened. I don't know why this happened, but, but it took me forever to finish this book. And by the time I finished it, it was 89K. <laughs> so oh, oh that oh dear yes so I have been chipping away at that that is what I've been doing <laughs> and I'm on my second round now because I still have about another 6k to to chip <laughs> away before I can hand it in and then after that I am working on um Sinclair and Garrett's story so for second uh you know for the Holly Grove Island series so excited about them. I'm excited about them. <laughs> that's, that sounds 
like so much creative freedom and yet you have to knock it back to <laughs> I know I know oh my god like, like I said I, I have been lately turning you know I've been writing them longer like the last few books I've turned in have been probably like anywhere from five to 10 K over. And I've had to knock that down, but I've never done anything like this. It's, it's insane. It's, I, I can't even believe that I wrote that much. <laughs> I just really cannot believe that. I, I don't know. I don't even know how that happened, but I love the characters and I love the storyline. And so I'm, I'm excited because this trilogy that we're writing is about um, three foster brothers who are adopted by a man who runs a resort. Uh, over the years, they had a falling out years ago, and so their father gets ill, and they all come back to to take their turn at helping out with the resort. And of course, they all fall in love while while they're there, and they rediscover um, a sense of family. So uh, that's what I've been working on. Like I said, I I love the story, but I just I so it's like hard to let go of stuff. Like okay, I don't want to cut that scene. Oh, that's I don't want to cut that scene. Oh, I want to cut that dialogue. <laughs> so. So I'm going to get it down to a decent amount and then I'm going to hand it over and the editor can, is going to, we'll take it from there. So when are those scheduled to come out? 2021? Yes. 2021. Awesome. Yep. They're going so to come out. So how many books do you have planned in 2021? Seven? <laughs> Actually, it, it's, it's it, no for a change. <laughs> for a change. It's, uh, let me see. I think that there's going to be, okay, let's see. So Waking Up Mary comes out in March. Um, uh, and then, let me see, the last book in that series comes out in December of that year. And I, I think four. Yeah. I, I will have at least so four. Far. I will so have, far. yeah, I'll have at least four books. <laughs> I'll have at least oh four God. books next year as well. So it's 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 just, it's been a wild, a wild ride for these you know, last few years, I would never have imagined that I would be putting out like four or five books a year. And just, wow, it's been, a, I'm, I'm thankful for it. But yes, in the time, in quarantines, it definitely mm -hmm. became difficult. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, when you're like, I'll admit, I am a horrible procrastinator. And so <laughs> that's, that was the, that's the issue. That was the issue to start with. And then you add quarantines on top of that. And then this year I've been helping out with my grandkids a couple days a week, which is something else I did not expect when I made this really crazy schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oops. And then that whole thing of like, there are times in this crazy, you know, be between the stress of, you know, the politics and then, you know, the pandemic and all that, there are just times when your brain is like, it's not happening now, sister. Sorry. Mm, yep. <laughs> so I had to kind of realize that. And so sometimes it's just like, okay, it's just not happening right now. So. But you have so many options now with the YouTube channel and different projects and you have all these different creative outlets to shift your energy. Do you find that that helps a little bit? It really does. It really yeah. does to be able to say, okay, um, my mind's just not working with this right now. Let me go do this thing. And so that helps a lot. And a friend of mine, I was talking to a friend that I hadn't talked to in a while yesterday, and I was telling her about this. And so she brought up something else that I hadn't really thought about. She's like, you know, as a creative person, you know, you need to go out and experience the world to be inspired. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like, you're not getting to do that right now. That has to like, that has to like harm your, your creative you abilities. To, and if you I have to limit your, your exposure to the world, literally. Mm. <laughs> right. So you have the balance between like, there's certain things like you try to cut that out. And then there's other things that you like, you know, you can't just go out and, you know, go to the park the way you used to or a tour no. you know a restaurant the way you used to and sit and observe people and hear and <laughs> hear things that inspire stories the way you would in the past so you know it's just crazy a really 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 different times that we have to you know learn to adjust to yeah. and uh yeah it's it's something like and like you said it just Every month feels like a year. <laughs> mm -hmm. And when you think things cannot get any weirder, they do. They do, right? 
Oh my gosh. Every time, every time you think it can't get any weirder, worse, whatever <laughs> it does. And I, I just, I, I think to myself all the time, if somebody had written this stuff like two years ago, we'd be slamming it for being unrealistic <laughs> so, or, if, you know, we just wouldn't even believe it, but here we are. Are there any books that you've read that you want to tell people about? Oh, Okay. So, <laughs> so here's the thing, first of all, let me just say, because I've been just like drowning in deadlines for months, like for months, I've been like, I've had one deadline after the other. As soon as I finish one thing, I have to jump right into the next. So it's been hard for me because like I saw, I started this year reading a ton because I couldn't write at, you know, with the pandemic yeah. and everything. And then oh. I switched to like just writing, writing and haven't had a chance to read anything. So, but here's my, my books. <laughs> so one of the books I read, it was either this year or late last year. I think it was this year that I love, 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 Lush Money by Angelina M. Lopez. I talk about this book all the time. I love it so much because it's an alpha heroine instead of the hero being the alpha. She's the alpha. She's the billionaire. Love it, love it, love it. And super hot, super sexy. And so I love that book. And so her um, follow-up, Hate Crush, has come out. And so that's hot on my TBR treating myself list once I'm finally done with this last book for the year. Um, awesome. <laughs> and I I think the, uh, the book I am finishing right now is Hide and Keep by Kay Sterling, who, and that's a male male story she writes mail mail and the hero uh, one of the one of the heroes in that book is autistic yes asperger's and i have multiple people in my life who have asperger's so i love how she um the things she shows about this character uh and that he finds his his love story so i love that and um there is a book i think it's called a taste of her own medicine by tasha l harrison Fantastic book. Also an older heroine. Yes. Love, love, love that book. Um, I finally, finally read recently um, Get a Life, Chloe Brown. <laughs> I know I'm late to the party on that. <laughs> so, but I loved, I loved reading that book. I just, I just love the hero and the heroine in that book. And uh, so I would highly recommend that. I can't wait to read the rest of that series. Um as well. And then another book that's on my TBR that I can't read to wait to read is Being Hospitable by Mika James. That is a female female. And it is a um a best friend's little sister, <laughs> but it's but with a female female. And so I'm looking forward to reading that one as well. That's high on my TBR list too. Oh wow. I'm really trying to branch out this year. So that was one of the things for myself because when the whole uh, explosion about RWA happened at the end of last year. Can you believe that was only a year ago? I, can you? And yes. Can you believe the world got so much worse? <laughs> oh, yeah. After that. so And I can't believe I'm looking back at it like, wow, that was such a quaint time. I know. I was thinking the same thing. And I, <laughs> so, but one of the things that happened from that for me is, you know, I'm like, okay, I already read. I'm like, I read. Of course, I read black romance and I and I read lots of mainstream romance and stuff. But I was like, I wanted to make sure that I was reading more books with, you know, people of other races and ethnicities aside from black and white. <laughs> and so, and all I also added that I wanted to read more LGBTQ stories as well. So I'm definitely have been working to make sure that I'm getting all of those wonderful stories in there as well. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you to Reese Ryan for hanging out with me and talking about so many things. You can find her at reeseryan.com and I will link to her YouTube channel as well in the show notes. Never fear. And if you would like to get in touch with me, I would love to hear from you. sbjpodcast at gmail.com or 1-201-371-3272. Tell me a bad joke. You know how much I love those. I love hearing from you. I like your suggestions and I love when you ask for book recommendations because Amanda and I are like, <laughs> Game on. I have also noticed several new reviews for the show, and I wanted to say thank you. Valkyrie on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever they're calling themselves this week uh, gave us five stars, and Neil says uh, that they could listen to me for hours. Well, well, thank you. 
Um, if you rate and review the show however you listen, thank you so much. You're making it easier for other people to find the show, and I really appreciate it. It is really heartening to know that you enjoy this work, so thank you. And now it's time for a bad joke, because I can offer copious amounts of gratitude, and then I can offer you a really truly awful piece of humor. This is from Emily Jane, who listens to the show. Emily Jane, thank you for this. Are you guys ready? You ready? You ready? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> What is the most condescending type of bear? Give up? The most condescending type of bear? A pan duh. <laughs> I told my older child that, and his response was, oh my god, mom. <laughs> pan duh. <laughs> Thank you, Emily Jane. <laughs> I love bad jokes, they're so great. On behalf of everyone here, Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week, but until then, we wish you the very best of reading. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network, and you can find terrific shows to listen to at frolic.media slash podcasts. <laughs>